I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, episode 23. I am he who liveth, I am he who was slain. Studying Easter and a variety of scriptures which I've listed in the description section of this episode. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a come follow me study for busy moms. I'm Donica Contour, your host. I'm a mom of four kids, wife of a high school theater teacher, and my favorite show to binge watch is Murder, She Wrote. Alrighty. So this time, um, we're going to do, it's still going to be pretty much the same way that we always do it in terms of talk about nature of God in Christ, talk about the plan of salvation, talk about application. Um, but the two, the first two sections are going to be a little bit muddled. They're going to be kind of, we're going to talk about some similar things because we're talking about Easter. We're talking about Easter. We're talking about um, the, um, the nature of Christ and the resurrection. And, um, so they're kind of really, really hand in hand here about the nature of Christ and the, um, plan of salvation, like why it's all so necessary. Um, and so we're going to jump around kind of a lot. I have listed, as I said in the intro, I have listed the various scriptures that I read in the description of this episode. Um, if you can't find it, um, email me or uh, message me on Naptime Devotionals uh, Instagram page, and um, and I can send you like a list of it. I can send you a copy. So, um, first of all, we're going to talk about one of the come follow me questions in the lesson that it asked that really stuck out to me was why did Jesus Christ choose to suffer? Why did he choose to suffer? And I love that they say choose, right? Because I think sometimes, at least for me, um, when I think about God's will for me, um, I remember wondering one time if, because we know that Christ learned line upon line, precept upon precept, that he wasn't born knowing everything that he needed to know to be Christ the Savior, right? He learned it a little bit at a time. Um, and I often wonder if like before he fully understood that he was going to be the Savior of the world and that there was this plan he had already agreed to, um, if he had dreams of like things that he wanted to do, like if he wanted to be a carpenter, like like Joseph, or he wanted to do something else. Maybe he wanted to be a shepherd, like a literal shepherd with lots of sheep, um, as opposed to a, a figurative shepherd in terms of, you know, with people. Um, I wondered all kinds of things. And then did he give that up to be our savior? I don't know. I don't know. Um, and I think about that in terms of my own life and like, I have all these dreams of things that I want to do and the person I want to be. And like, I want to write books and I want to sell them. I want, you know, to publish my books and I want to travel the world and I want to do all these things and go to all these places and accomplish these things. And then I wonder, I'm like, is this what heavenly father wants for me? Like, am I, not necessarily like traveling outside of my lane, but when I turn over my, my plans and my will, when I hand over the reins to heavenly father, um, you know, it has to be out of my own 
choice, right? It, it's got, it, that's, that's the whole point. That's the whole point. That's why we have agency. Um, everything we have, we belongs to Heavenly Father. Our agency is the only thing that is ours a hundred percent. And it's the one thing that we're asked to, to choose Heavenly Father, to choose his path for us, even though we don't know what that looks like. And the older I get and the more I think about it, the more I go through life and the more experiences I have, the more I know that his dreams and his plans for me are bigger and better and so much more than what I'm capable of dreaming for myself. What I thought I wanted um, when I was 10 versus when I was 20 and now I'm 30, it's morphed and it's changed. And there are some things that still I want. I still want to write my books. I still want to pu be a published author, but I also want whatever it is Heavenly Father wants for me too. And I don't know what that looks like right now. Maybe it is being a published author. Maybe I never do. Maybe I finish my books and I never publish them. Um, but whatever it is I go and do, it's going to be so much bigger and so much better than what I thought I wanted, if that makes sense. So um, why did why did Jesus Christ choose to suffer? We're going to look at a couple of different things. In Doctrine and Covenants verse, uh, section 12, 29 verse 5 and section 62 verse 1. Both of them refer to Christ as an advocate. He says that he's our advocate. So naturally, um, my English majoriness was like, let's go check out the OED. What does, what is an advocate? So it's a noun for starters. We're using it because that's how he uses it is as a noun. So we're going to look at it that way. Um, the first definition is a person who publicly supports or recommends a particular cause or policy. And the second one is a person who puts a case on someone else's behalf. Um, so I like both definitions in terms of Christ for us. He publicly supports us. But then I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, here's the thing. He's talked on multiple things, multiple occasions where he says, you know, we have to stand for him also, otherwise he doesn't know us, right? There's the whole, um, the ten, story of the 10 virgins in the, um, New Testament where he talks about, you know, the five virgins have extra oil, the five other five don't, they have to go buy it. And then the bridegroom comes and then they come and they knock on the door after he's already come. And he's like, sorry, I actually don't know you. Um, because they, they weren't there in time. Um, and he doesn't recognize them. And so they don't get to go, they don't get to go to the wedding. Right. And, um, I think about that in terms of this, a person who publicly supports or recommends a particular cause or policy, Christ as our advocate is going to personally, publicly support and recommend us to God, um, but only if he knows us, which means we have to build a relationship with him so he knows who we are. We have to stand as a witness of him, publicly supporting him in order for him to know us and to recognize us. Um, and uh, so let's look at Doctrine and Covenants 7624. Um, I actually am going to read uh, a couple of these just because I really, I really wanted to look at these and um, talk to them, talk about them. So it says that by him and through him and of him, the worlds are and were created and the inhabitants thereof are begotten sons and daughters unto God. So 
if we compare this with also um, in Moses, I'm not going to read this one, but in Moses chapter 2, verses 26 through 27, it's um, part of the creation story. And it's when God is talking about um, creating man and he talks about how he and his only begotten created man in their image, right? Um, so why does Christ choose to suffer for us? Because we're his, we're his, right? So heavenly father told him, Hey, um, let's, let's make man, let's make man, let's make people on the earth and let's make them look like us. And then Christ went and he actually did it. He's the one who actually created us, um, under heavenly father's supervision under his direction and obviously with his authority, with his power, but he's the one who created us. And so we're so, so important to us. I remember, I want to say it was in church a couple of weeks ago. One of the sisters was reading a quotation and I wish I could remember where it came from, but it talked about us being knit in our mother's womb by God. And I just loved, I just loved that. Um, so we are in his image. So he, he loves us in, I feel like he loves us in the same way our parents love us. He's our brother, um, but he's also the father of our souls because of the atonement. So let's look at Dr. Kevin section 19, um, verses 16 and 17. It says, for behold, I, God have suffered these things for all that they might not suffer if they would repent, but if they would not repent, they must suffer even as I. Okay. So he suffered so we didn't have to. That's what it comes down to. He loves us. He loves us so much. He knew that sins were going to be literally the death of us spiritually. And so he's like, I'm going to go and I'm going to suffer for them. So they don't have to do this. They can, they can hand it to me. They can believe in me and they won't have to go through this really, really hard thing. Um, because I love them. I love them so much. And I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, as a parent, if I could look into my kids' futures, if I could look into their futures and I could see all of the hardship and all of the hurt and all of the pain, and if I could suffer in behalf of them so they don't have to go through that, or maybe they maybe they have to go through a portion of it, but they don't have to go through the fullness of it. If I could take some of that pain away from them, I would in a freaking heartbeat. I would take it away in a heartbeat because I love them and I don't want them to be in pain, right? Um and that kind of, that kind of takes us over to, um, to the, to Corinthians. Okay. So we're going to move into the plan of salvation here. So come follow me recommends reading first, first Corinthians chapter 15. So I'm going to be jumping around there for a little bit. Um, but I want to read this one section that was just, it was such a light bulb moment for me. It's, um, first Corinthians chapter 15 verses 55 through 58. It says, Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. 
But thanks be to God, which giveth us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Okay, so this this was this verse 56. Verse 56 is the one that just kind of was like, oh my gosh, duh, right? The sting of death is sin right? The thing that hurts most about death is if we die in sin, because you can't fix it. Once you're dead, you can't fix it anymore. It's done. And the strength of sin, where do we, why, why does sin so powerful is the law, right? Because heavenly father is a God of order. And so there are laws that he follows that he's put in place and that he follows, that we have to follow. And when we break those laws, we sin. And when we sin and we have no savior, we have no atonement, we're stuck in those sins. And then we die and then they're there forever. They're permanent. There's nothing we can do about it. Okay. But there is an atonement and there is a savior and there is redemption and repentance possible. Um, And I just loved that I love that so much. And then I, um, let's see, was it 40, was it 49? Um, no. So doctrine and covenants, 93, 33 through 34 for man is spirit. The elements are eternal and the spirit and the element inseparably connected received a full, receive a fullness of joy. And when separated, man cannot receive a fullness of joy. And I was thinking about this and it's like, of course, of course, right? Like we can't, our fullness of joy can only come in our physical bodies when our spirit and our body are joined together, which is why we had to come to this earth, right? We had to come to this earth in order to receive bodies, to have the experiences we have, because we could only do it in our bodies. But then we die. Eventually our bodies give out. They don't last forever. We die. And so the separate, when separated, man cannot receive a fullness of joy. Once they're separated, um, we, we just can't, we can't do it. It doesn't work that way. I mean, in, uh, section 138 verse 50, it says for the dead had looked upon the long absence of their bodies as a bondage. So the dead look at the, the fact that they don't have bodies as bondage. Like I just, I don't know what it was about these scriptures that there's just like, Oh my gosh, duh moments for me. Um, and so so, so, so we can only have the eternal, have the fullness of joy can only happen in when our bodies and our spirits are one, right? Then we die. So we have the resurrection where we can finally experience eternal joy. Um, and I was thinking about it, right? We have, there's a resurrect, there's our physical resurrection, right? Which we get because we kept our first estate. We chose to follow, um, Christ. We weren't one part of the one third of hosts that went with Satan and never got bodies. We said, yes, we like your plan. Heavenly father, we're going to follow it. So just by doing that, we've already kept our first estate. We already automatically 
get to come back in terms of resurrection, right? Our bodies will be connected to our spirits once again after we die. Um, then I think about the resurrection of our souls, of our of our spiritually resurrection, a spiritual resurrection, if that makes sense, that we get through the atonement where we have to choose Christ. We have to choose Heavenly Father. We have to choose their path for us. Um, and we have that capability because of the atonement. Um, the last thing I want to touch on in terms of the scriptures here is 1 Corinthians 15, um, verse 49. Um, and it says, And as we have borne the image of the earthly, which we're doing right now, right? We shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Um, which I just loved. The last thing I want to touch on, because it also suggests, the Come Follow Me suggests reading The Living Christ. Um, and so I wanted to read this and then we'll talk about application. Okay. It says, we solemnly testify that his life, which is central to all human history, neither began in Bethlehem nor concluded on Calvary. He was the firstborn of the Father, the only begotten Son in the flesh, the Redeemer of the world. Okay, so let's talk about application. How do we take what we've learned? How do we take what we know about these scriptures, about what we know about Christ, and apply this into our lives in a way that we can make meaningful change? And honestly, for me, the thing that I keep thinking about is back to this question of why did Jesus Christ choose to suffer? And it always comes back to love for me, right? He, he does everything that he does for us out of this deep, unconditional love, right? He's the perfect example of what unconditional love looks like. It doesn't mean that he can unconditionally save us, right? We've talked about this before where we still have to choose him. At the end of the day, he can, He will always, always, always love us. There's nothing that we can do or say or think that changes the way he feels about us. But what we do think and say changes whether or not he is able to save us because we have to choose to be saved. We can be like, mm, no, thanks. No, thanks to the atonement. I don't want to repent. I don't want anything to do with this. Um, and he'll honor that. He'll honor that because he loves us and our agency is important. And so when it comes to the application of this, how are we going to apply this meaningfully? I think the best thing that we can do is find ways to apply that unconditional love. Find ways we can tap into that charity, that pure love of Christ in ourselves, right? In applying it to ourselves. If we're really mean to ourselves, it's going to be really hard for us to be loving and kind to other people. If we're really judgmental, if we bring a lot of shame to ourselves, it's going to be really hard for us to bring love and mercy and a lack of judgment to other people. And so we have to start inside and then we can move outside. And sometimes, sometimes for some things, it's easier for me to love other people. It's easier for me to not judge. Um, but for the most part, I found for myself that when I'm judging other people, it's because I have judgment of myself. Um, and to kind of take a look at that, 
But ultimately, I think the thing that we can do the most is develop that relationship with Christ, really get to know him, study his life, study the living Christ and praying and developing that relationship with him is the most important thing that we can do. It's the step one of how to utilize the atonement of how to um, really get that relationship so he can be our advocate and be like, oh yeah, Donica, I know her. We're, we're buds. Like <laughs> she's my best friend. I would hope he would say that. Anyway, have a fantastically happy Easter and I will talk to you next week. <laughs>